1: If I'm giving you the real vulnerable answer, it's hell no, absolutely not. And I don't think anything in my life will ever be harder than that, to be Mm. honest. But who knows? The universe has a way of surprising (laughs) us.
0: Lily, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks for having me. This is incredible. I'm so happy to be here. You two are very smart.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, We're trying to learn from you today. That's very uh, sweet. I want to ask you, when you're a young Indian kid. Mm -hmm. The amount of times you are asked to dance in front of your aunties and uncles, (laughs) it's just part of the job of being an Indian kid.
1: It is. Not only did I get that, I got the Lily likes to do rapping. Rapping for rapping (laughs) for rapping. And I'm like, just you once really I, want me yeah. to rap Ludacris' lyric, lyrics right now in front of Undine Uncle? Because, again, what's your fantasy? Yeah. You want to hear that <laughs> yeah, right now? Yeah, yeah. I, I can do that
0: if you want. My brother and I had a dance choreographer. We did like a dance troupe. We did Bhangra. That. We did all kinds of. And then once we got into karate, it was like a fusion karate Bhangra dance. And... So, me, show us. Yes. Show us. <laughs> <laughs> yes. That worked. I just got like chills when you said that because that was what happened. I just got yeah. secondhand times. nervous yeah. <laughs> for that. I was like, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Uh, yeah, it was. Don't do it if horrifying. you don't want to. <laughs> It is a wild part of being an Indian kid is that you just are built to perform, right? But not if
1: you want to pursue that as a career. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. But
0: once it becomes like, but I want to do this now, you've you've trained me to perform. I mean, I wanted to change my major to film Mm -hmm. in college. And I called my mom. And my parents are like pretty progressive, liberal Indian parents. But even they were like, I don't know. I don't think you should do that. (laughs) And not only is it that, but I recall growing up and- you know, seeing mm. a lot of people like me in in the Bollywood movies I was watching, yeah. but the only representation that was in American television or media was a poo mm-hmm. at that time. And I remember that was like a common thread when I went right. to high school. There's no right. representation of what I look like in in this world. Mm-hmm. Did that at any point also feel like that held you back from believing that? creativity could be a career.
1: I love how deep we're getting. Can I take off my jacket or is it going to ruin your continuity? You're sweating no. because okay. we're, we're getting no, the questions. I just, are Yeah, No, but this is a great question and I'm going to yeah. give you a really honest, honest answer. Yeah. A lot of people ask me, you know, growing up, not seeing yourself on TV, yeah. did that, was that what motivated you yeah. to then put yourself on screen? And the answer is truthfully, as a young kid, I did not have that capacity of thought Mm. like as a young kid and this is even sadder even sadder reality is watching tv seeing majority white people or black people on my tv screen i just thought that was for a reason i was Mm -hmm. like oh this is just the way it is you know i didn't ever question because i didn't think it was an option and even when i got my late night show did you want to do this because all the other late night hills look a different way growing up and i was like well my parents never watched late night because the people didn't look like them so i just never thought it was an option you know, and it wasn't until I got older and discovered YouTube and discovered that, oh, I could actually change, I have an option to try to change this. Mm. I think as a kid, I never thought that option existed. I just thought, oh, this is how stories are done. Right. But when you see something like YouTube, you're like, oh, mm-hmm. so I can do this from my house. I could do yeah. this on the side. I could learn how to do this myself and I can not have to go through 10 gatekeepers. Like that changes the game. That's why YouTube did change the game. Because I can yeah. say if YouTube didn't exist, chances of me going that route, slim to none.
0: I agree you because know? I think YouTube, what you recognize is that YouTube is capped by your willingness to work. Absolutely. It's not capped by mm-hmm. anything Which else. Which is
1: both both a blessing and, and a, a curse. curse. Yes, yes <laughs> very yes. much so, yeah.
0: So I remember for me, I was sitting in my college library and someone showed me Jenna Marbles' video where she yes. makes the face. Mm-hmm. And that's, for me, the moment where I was like, okay, I'm studying film mm-hmm. and spending all this time filming and editing these things. She made this amazing video (laughs) straight to her webcam that everyone loves and everyone Mm -hmm. is talking about. Do you remember that era? Was that something that unlocked something for you as well?
1: Absolutely, I know the exact video you're talking about. And Jenna Marbles was a huge, huge, and continues to be a huge inspiration for me. And I I remember thinking just that, like, oh, she's breaking the rules Mm -hmm. of what it means to entertain people. Like, She is literally no equipment, no formal training, just relating to people. All right, I'm here with Mr. Marbles. And it's people like Jenna Marbles, and even through my experience on YouTube, where my number one rule for creating content is story first. Because now when you go into like big sets or late night shows and there's a whole bunch of people, 100 people doing jobs, I have no idea what their job is, I always feel like story gets lost. It's like, oh, this mm. shot's not perfect, mm. this is not perfect, this lighting, this prop in the back, all important things, don't get me wrong, but story is always the most important. People like Jenna Marbles taught me that because I was like, oh, she's literally just being relatable and funny.
2: Hello there, friends. And welcome to my
1: tutorial on how to trick people into thinking you're really good looking. And people don't care if there's a little glitch in the editing. They don't care if the camera angles slightly off. And I always try to remember that. It was a huge inspiration for me.
2: I was watching wow. one of your vlogs yesterday. And there's mm-hmm. a moment where you're in your car and you're doing improv with the shadow. That is coming into the car. It's just <laughs> sounds you. like something crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it's just you, the camera, and a shadow. And you're you're improving with yourself and the shadow. Well, wow, you're
1: making me sound like a loser. <laughs> I love it. Keep going. No, I think it's
2: it's something very unique to I YouTube can't. creators I because I noticed this one time when Logan Paul was doing improv with himself, a fake parrot on his shoulder, and a dog who obviously can't speak English. <laughs> right. And I I was watching it. And thinking, this is incredible and this is a unique talent that I think is very specific to a lot of YouTube creators Mm -hmm. because there are some creators who spend a lot of time with themselves and the camera. Mm -hmm. At what point as you were, maybe this is even pre-YouTube, did you start to understand that you're someone who could entertain with just yourself and a lens?
1: It's actually, to be honest, is I, if you look at my first earlier videos, someone else plays my parents. I have friends Mm -hmm. playing my parents. And then I called my friends to come over and they're like, we're not coming over every day to shoot videos for your YouTube channel. That was the only reason I dressed up as my parents is because my friends were like, stop mm. bothering us. That's when I learned. And it's like the se- seventh video or something. That's when I learned like, Oh, I can just play with myself and, and mm. take that internet. Nice. I can up. just That's take that. That's the clip. Fanfic <laughs> club. <laughs> this is the clip for you, baby. Um, I realized that I could just, improv with myself and yeah. use anything to be anything in that right. it's okay in this space. It's a safe space. And honestly, I love the idea of doing lots with nothing. Yeah. I might be a little turned on right now. I love <laughs> sure. the idea of doing yeah. lots with nothing. That is what YouTube is. I think I'm it is making yeah, so much 100%. out of so little, you know, webcam a pile of books as a tripod. That's what it right. is. And so any actor, mm-hmm. or actress has been to mega movies, put them next to me. I get this is my open challenge. Put them next to me and say, "We need a picture for the thumbnail and see who the real star is." Okay, see who the real star is because I have anxiety from YouTubers' that. Yeah, ability yeah. to one, two, three, yeah. hit, hit, yeah. hit yeah. it, yeah. and someone else is like, "Wait, what are we doing? What is this for? What are the yeah. dimensions?" Like, yeah. there's a talent to YouTube Definitely. creators. The thumbnail yeah.
0: is one of the most unique things about what we do. It's so That's,
1: crazy if you watch crazy. someone do it. You're like, yeah. "That's not normal." Yeah.
2: Yeah. Like yeah. some weird voguing or something. It's, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's like, and the person next to you, she's like, what yeah, is happening like, yeah. right now? Yeah, Literally, it's, it's a superpower. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: When you were watching early Jenna Marbles on YouTube, was there any sense that, oh, what she's doing is actually her career and that's something I could aspire to?
1: So for the first year and a half, two years, I would say on YouTube, I did not think that YouTube could be a career. I didn't know. I didn't know that people would make money off YouTube. I didn't know that she was making money off YouTube. For me, it was a form of expression. It was an outlet to be creative. It was an itch I was scratching. It was me just trying to develop this part of my brain and and be happy. The biggest creator at the time in Canada was uh, a cool dude by the name of Fluffy Talks. When I discovered it could be a career was when Fluffy actually invited me over to his house and he was having a YouTube gathering. And I remember Mm. like... What? And there's all majority dudes. I know. Yeah. In hindsight, sure. I was like questionable, but I'm a majority dude. <laughs> no, I mom. There. I'm
0: just going to Fluffy's house. Literally, yeah, I'm yeah. going to Fluffy Tom's <laughs> <really> house. Cool.
1: <laughs> yes, and Furious Peach will be there. Who is this amazing other creator? And they're all amazing. I remember gusts. Furious <laughs> Peach. I remember Furious
0: Peach was the eating guy. Yes. Right? Didn't he eat? yes. Yeah, yeah. I remember, and I remember walking yeah. in. I was
1: like the only, probably like the only girl there. Yeah. Definitely the only person of color there. And it was just a bunch of people watching their videos and screening their videos. And I. I'm gonna to admit, to you guys. Like, I felt super included in mm-hmm. something as soon as I walked in. I was like, "Oh man, yeah. these people see my content and they they are associating my content with the value, which is also something I never did. I thought it was just mindless, silly sure. stuff. But th- these people actually were watching it and laughing, and they were, you know, attaching value to it. And so I'll never forget. We're sitting in this house, and he goes, "Oh yeah, you can make money off YouTube. I bought this house with YouTube." And I went, "You did what, sir? What did you do?" now? And that's when I was like, "Oh crap, this is." I've been thinking about this very sentimentally, which yeah. is great, but like there's another layer to this that could be added. And so I started submitting my videos for monetization. Mm. Gratefully they got accepted. And that's when it started, I started to realize that this could potentially be a career.
0: So he, he bought a house in 2012. That's what I'm from saying, 2011, like wow. yeah, 2012. That's crazy. That's crazy. That is
1: insane. And you also have to think about it from the perspective of me sitting there with my parents telling me what they know, which is like, right. this can't be a career. Mm-hmm. So like, I fully believe that this can't be a career. So when he told me that my entire belief system was just rocked. I was like, I can break the mold. That was the yeah. first example of someone breaking the mold. That was so cool.
0: How big was the channel at that time when you started monetizing?
1: Probably my channel was at like 50,000, 100,000 subscribers. Got if it. even that, I think my first video to go into the millions was that, was that, um, trend of like stuff girls say, stuff moms Mm -hmm. say. That was like one of the first videos, but my videos would not hit the millions or even close to that. So I was a pretty small channel still. I know this because when I bought my first camera, it was $699 and I was Mm. stressed about it Mm -hmm. because I was shooting on webcams for like two years and then some creators started to up upgrade to cameras. And I was like, "Oh my God, they're right. buying cameras and they have lighting. Now they have a microphone. Look at this microphone. Yeah. Like I was just literally Ikea lamp on me. Webcam was my deal. So $699 was that camera. And that was probably like two years into YouTube, a year and a half into YouTube.
0: At that point, you kind of recognize, or these this group of people gives you a sense of like validation mm-hmm. of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, where did you receive, I guess, validation in in what you were doing. Don't tell me this was going to be therapy (laughs) out here. I'm married to a therapist. I don't Um, know you you? yes. Oh my
1: God, that's awesome and sad. I'm so sorry. It's Um, a blessing and a curse. Yes. If I'm giving you the real vulnerable answer, it's a chase I'm constantly on. Mm. You know, immigrant parents don't easily give validation. I don't know if your parents are immigrants. That's why I asked the question. That's why I asked the question. So I got validated when I would do really, really well in school. It'd be a good Mm job. You know, there would... You know, grand celebration that would be a good job. It's kind of like doing excellent is almost the standard with immigrant parents, yeah. you know. Um, and I know this because some of my other friends, you know, if they got a good grade, there'd be like a dinner for them or like sure. something. I remember after my grade eight graduation, I was valedictorian, got a principal's award for leadership, and like not to brag, but I cleaned house at that grade eight graduation oh, wow. with awards. Okay. And I remember going home, and my parents were really proud of me. Don't get me wrong, so proud of you, good job. But like, then that was it. Yeah, there was no like. Further, you know, Mm -hmm. celebrations like this is what's expected of you. And I think I've always kind of chased that validation even till this day when something happens to me. I'm like, I I gauge it based on how proud will this make my parents. That's why Canada's Got Talent is such a big deal to me. Mm. It is a smaller show. It is smaller than America's Got Talent. There's less people in Canada than in California. You know, it is by all means smaller has made me so proud because I'm like, my parents Mm -hmm. in Canada can watch this. They understand this. They'll be proud. So like everything I do is kind of measured. I'm on this constant chase of a little bit internally. This little, little girl Lily is like, will this make my parents proud?
0: (laughs) As we all are, you know, as we all are. And I think like, I I asked the question because I think I can relate to that feeling Mm -hmm. of having immigrant parents, but I was actually a terrible high school student. So I had none of, I had no, there was no hope for me. Right. In that, World. And so I got validation from like my peers and wow. being like funny or being able to throw a good party or, you know, and I found mm-hmm. these other pockets of ways to get validation. And I yeah. correlate my wh- how I am on YouTube and why I enjoy YouTube back to that mm-hmm. chase for like
1: oh, being able to
0: like bring a community yeah. together and talk about one thing and have people enjoy being a part of a community.
1: There is a period of time where I can relate to what you're saying a little bit in the sense that in 2015, 16, 17, when I was super, super hot on YouTube. My validation did come from strangers online. And I basked in that. I was like, yes, let these people tell me that I'm amazing or sometimes tell me I'm horrible, but most at that time mostly tell me I'm amazing. And I think as I've grown up, I've realized that I don't want that to be my life, you know? And so right now I'm actively working to try to just make it me. Like, are you happy with what you did here? And like, Mm -hmm. are you happy with where you are mentally? And that's the most important thing because the sad reality is like, my parents won't always be here. Yeah. And I won't be able to chase that gratification. And I want to get validation from the person who knows me best. That's me.
0: I love that. It's yeah. Yeah. beautiful. Around this time, like you're, you're now making money from the platform. Mm-hmm. Was there a moment, whether it was a brand deal or a check from YouTube, where you were like, oh, this is, this is going to be my thing. Like, this is a career.
1: Yeah. Oh, you're just bringing up all these amazing <laughs> memories in my brain. One of the first brand deals I got was for, there's two actually, they came around the same time. One was for something called Steropod. Okay. It's a little clip you put on your toothbrush sure. and it sterilizes it. Ooh, and another I kind of need one, that. Yeah, like that. It's, it's yeah. great, yeah. thank you. I'm sold. Did you hear yeah, that? Easy. If you watch this, give yeah. me commission. I'm yeah. still <laughs> making I'm still making moves today. <laughs> great first sponsor. I know. Um, and another one was for Just Dance. Just oh, Dance, yeah. the video game, right? Oh, wow, yeah. And I remember when we were discussing the first brand deal here, I was sitting with someone who was doing my like partner management at that time or in a restaurant, I vividly remember. I was like, so how much are they gonna pay me? First brand deal, yeah. no experience. How much are, you gonna, are they gonna pay me to do this, this brand integration? He goes, $3,000. I thought he was joking because I was like, that is so yeah. much mm-hmm. money. Yeah. I $3,000? I, I just bought a camera for 699, I had to save up like a year for right. this camera. So yeah. I thought he was literally joking. Straight face, and I was like, no, seriously. And then his response, I'll never forget. He goes, yeah, I know it's really small. Um, Usually I would never settle for anything less than like 30 K for something like this, but I figured since you like the game and I was like 30 K and then he proceeded to tell me that one of his other clients just did a brand deal for 30 K. And that's when my mind got blown because I was like, that's, that's money. That's like life money. That's Mm -hmm. a lot of money. Some
2: people make that in a year. That's what I'm saying. And so
1: that blew my mind. And I, put all this effort, as I continue to do, into this brand deal for $3,000. Because For me, $3,000, yeah. m- it might as well have been 30 k honestly. And that's when I realized the scale of what this could be, you know, which was, I never anticipated that ever.
2: Were there any sponsors that came in that also gave you a sense of validation? Because I know for Samir and I, in our early career, there were moments where that was actually an opportunity to feel validated. Yes. Like, oh, Nike is willing Ooh. to work with us. like. Yeah. Life. Everyone knows yes. Nike. Like, yeah. were, were there any moments like that? There's,
1: there's a lot, and I continue to have those moments today. Skittles, my favorite candy. Yeah. When they did a brand deal with me, and they literally in my contract as a joke, I was like, "Can you give me a lifetime supply of Skittles?" They're like, "Sure." And I was like, "Oh wow!" What? Seriously? Like that for me was so validating. Yeah. As yeah. ridiculous as it is, I was like, no, "You will cool. give me a lifetime supply of Skittles?" Seriously? It's it, till this day. It's in my contract. Whenever I want that's Skittles, amazing. they will send them to my house. That's like for crazy. me. That's almost better than a paycheck. Have you ever had those moments? Canon's another one. I got a Canon brand deal where they gave me a lot of equipment and I was like, wow, you're helping me now create content better and like Mm. actually investing in my art. That felt really special too because it was like, we value what you create so much and we're willing to support you with equipment, which was a really cool deal too.
0: Yeah, I agree. I think like brand partnerships that are value additive Mm -hmm. to the content are so just mutually beneficial. And I think sometimes brands... Don't realize that right that and and i I think there's it's happening more and more now because you're talking about brand deals in the world of 2013 right which was a completely different version like you look at how today there's a system for Mm -hmm. you start getting a decent you have a decent audience on youtube you can plug into many different ways to monetize at that time we were putting together our own like pitch decks and Mm -hmm. picking up the phone and being like Mm -hmm. listen got 300 views on this video. Like yeah. it's 300 you people who could 300, <laughs> people? Yeah. We got 300 people who could be
1: learning about your brand. <laughs> exactly. 24 uh, comments on yeah. this. That. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. And like, <laughs> especially me, cause I'm going to be 10 <laughs> fake account. Right. So that's, that's going to be, that's another thing I did back in the you day. Want, Full you want 10 ahead. more comments? Oh, yeah. I, can I can make Fake that accounts happen. defending myself yeah. Ooh, yeah. all day, every day. Right. Um, <laughs> on, on that note, one other yeah. thing, and sorry, my tangents, feel free to cut them out. Cause I just like you and I like to talk to you, Yes, but on, Another one that's a really good example is my current brand deal with Johnny Walker and I'll tell you why. And, and Meaning I feel like
0: Johnny Walker like scotch. Uh,
1: yes. So I have oh, a brand cool. deal with them. How and exciting. Yes. I'll tell you why this is important to you. Yeah. Few things impress my parents like uh, I told yeah. you. Few, yeah, yeah. few things. Okay. Very few things will impress an Indian uncle more than blue label oh, Johnny man. Walker. <laughs> Big time. You go into my dad's yeah. basement Johnny Walker. That is like a status oh, yeah. symbol for immigrant parents. Mm-hmm. Like, Look I got a certain label and yes. I got a blue label. So When I, for Mother's Day and then also for upcoming Diwali, part of my deal, I send my family, all my family, engraved blue labels. And let me tell you, of all the things I've done in life, very few things have made Mm -hmm. my mom and dad as proud as them receiving a blue label of Johnny Walker that's engraved that says Lily loves you, happy Diwali. Like that for me is a huge value add because I'm like, this means a lot to my family. And so all my aunts are always messaging me like, oh, Lily sent us blue. Who cares about the subscribers Mm -hmm. and anything Mm -hmm. else? Lily sent us blue label. That's a big deal.
0: I think what you're bringing up right now though is this important notion that creators, and I think you're you're a very specific creator in our ecosystem. Weird, I'm weird. uh, Well, (laughs) yes. And you have, your trajectory has mirrored more um, someone who is, like a, a, a talent brand that is able to then jump into, I mean, hosting a late night show. Yeah. And like you're, you're you're doing things y- creators have not
2: previously done. But I
0: think coming back yeah. where we all have common ground mm-hmm. are we are these creatives who looked at the internet and were like, oh, that's a place where I can just make yeah. my own luck. Creators are just a, a subset of internet entrepreneurs, yeah. which is just a subset of entrepreneurs. right? And I think that Absolutely. people view creators a little differently because they see us on camera, they see us, you know, like being more like talent around sometimes, but to really look behind of what's okay. You show up on camera. Sure. And you're funny and you're uh, charismatic, but everything behind that mirrors what a business owner does. Oh, I have strong opinions about this, right? Yeah.
1: I, as someone who started in 2010 and had to be in many rooms with people in fancy suits that wanted to work with me or wanted me to explain what I do to them. We're in a better place now, but I can definitely say even now there is this stigma with online creators that like, it's not that much work. Yeah. Every creator is a business person Mm -hmm. without choice. Like when I started, like I have a psychology degree. I was never formally trained how to edit or how to be on camera or comedic timing or any, I learned all that. And I thought, I know how to be funny on camera. (gasps) According to some people, I know how to be funny (laughs) on camera. All the stuff I had to learn. Otherwise, how to do deals, how to know if a deal is good, how to manage a team, how to Mm -hmm. then hire people. It's like, I was never trained for that. No one in my family has ever done that stuff. And so, I do think that a lot of people do not credit online creators like they should. They are running empires Mm -hmm. and learning how to do that without formal training, which a lot of other entrepreneurs can't even say is true of them. Usually they have that kind of training, right? So the hill I will die on is online creators and creators in general. They are some of the smartest business people and hardest working business people of our time, hands down.
2: I often say that like creator isn't a career, it can be a career. Mm -hmm. And in that can be is Mm -hmm. everything that happens off camera, like everything that needs to go into actually making sure that, oh, I'm actually, I can pay rent next month. Yes. Mm -hmm. Oh, Mm -hmm. I can pay rent for two months now. And then looking a year, two years, five years down the line, there's so much learning we've had to do to get to a place of comfort that we can live for another year, two years.
1: That's a great point because it's also the added pressure of like, there is no steady paycheck mm-hmm. that comes from being an online creator, right? It's like one 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 month during Christmas time, December, we're like, woo, yeah. you know, AdSense yeah. is popping. Yeah. January, you're like, okay,
2: yeah. we're gonna need to yeah. Yeah. cut down some bills in yeah. January,
1: you know yeah. what I, I mean?
0: Vlogmas like, so was good to me. Exactly. Yeah. Skittles for lunch again. Exactly, okay. why do you yeah. think everyone does Vlogmas? Let's just,
1: <laughs> <laughs> let's just, okay. In
0: 2015, you moved from Canada to LA. Was that a moment where you started to think like, I want to make it in Hollywood? Or was that more just like all the creators are in LA?
1: I don't think I genuinely believe that still it was possible to right. penetrate Hollywood. Right. I moved to LA because I was like, most of my team is there. Every time I get a brand deal offer, I was like flying to LA twice a month. A lot of events I had to attend were in LA. So it just physically made sense to be there. That's still living in my parents' house also, which I think there's nothing wrong with. Yep. People love to shame sure. me for that. But I'm like, no, that's that's what it was. And I knew just in life, to take the next step, I had to step out of my comfort zone and I had to do something scary. And it was moving to LA. And when I moved to LA, everything I expected to happen happened. It was easier to do shoots. It was easier to have meetings with my team. I got invited to all these events that were great to network, yada, yada. I still didn't think that like, oh, I'm gonna be in movies and I'm gonna be in TV shows. I would do some auditions here and there, but did I truly believe I would make that crossover? Not really. It took me a Mm -hmm. bit of time in LA before I believed that was possible. Just
0: to, just to look at that era, like 2015 to, to 2018, um, you were doing a lot of things in mm-hmm. LA, right? You this question
1: is making me tired because yeah. I know all the yeah. stuff <laughs> I was <laughs> doing. You, were,
0: you, you did a Pantene commercial. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, were, you did some work with HBO. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wrote a book during this time. Is that correct?
1: Mm-hmm. Right.
0: And uh, for like, You went on tour went on in tour, the beginning yeah. of that period? I
1: think between 2015 and 2018, there was two tours.
0: Two tours. Two tours. Yep. So you, you were doing a lot.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: in this span um also side note at youtube space you shot a video where you needed a lot of bhangra background dancers i do remember this one we were background dancers we're in that video we're in that video Whatever what? that video? Is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
2: yeah
1: stop yeah yeah stop it i am uh-huh. wait i know exactly what you're talking about if mm-hmm. if um if bollywood was a That's something exactly something right if YouTube yeah. was yes
2: a- we used to hang out a lot at youtube space yeah
1: I absolutely need <laughs> to go home and watch it. This. this is incredible. We're in
0: the deep back. Like it was in, the, it was in like right when you walked into YouTube Space LA, it was in the stage straight ahead and we we're all the way in the back dancing. <gasps> so a bunch see, of students is, from
1: USC yeah, and yeah. Then yeah. us. This yes. is before I even moved here. I know this is because I was renting an Airbnb. Mm-hmm. I had two of my friends with me and I was like, we're going to shoot this very, very super ambitious yeah. video that I've never tried to do and it was just such a hot mess, but the video turned out so well. Yeah. And I vividly remember so many creators coming out to help me and that warms my heart. Yes, my goodness, we
0: were, we were there. Oh, good times. <laughs> Colin, some Sometimes calls us the Forrest Gump of YouTube. Cause we like, yeah. if you look back in like YouTube history, we're like in the background of all of these like we're blurred out in yeah, the background. We're blurred out and like amazing. these different things. But during that time, that, that window of time, you, you know, two tours, book, HBO, Panteen, you're growing the channel. Mm. What, what did you feel was the goal at that time? Did you have like a North star in mind or was it just grow in any way?
1: You yeah. could? So in 2015 to 2018, I would say, my career exploded. I was doing crazy, unheard of things that way surpassed my vision board. I was like, I can't even look at my vision board anymore. This is crazy, my life is crazier. Growing so much in my career, stagnant spiritually, I will say that. So when you ask me like, was there a North Star? No, I never gave my time to think. Right. I never gave myself the time to think about like, what do I actually <laughs> want out of all this? There was no time. It was, you got to go on tour. You're going to be here for one night. Then you're going to fly across here for one night. Then you're going to write this book and do all this stuff. I was enjoying it. and I loved it. And I was so grateful. I worked so hard. But if you ask me like, what, was, what did that feel like? And do you have any specific memories from those things? My answer is a little hazy because I was just go, go, go. Mm. Would win an award next day on a plane. Didn't even to myself be like, look what you did. Like, should you yes. be proud of yourself? Mm. Never had that moment of being proud of myself. So my north star was just to make it to the next day, do more, do more, earn more, do more, more followers, more of deals, more of this. Now, if you ask me what my north star is, it's a much more spiritual, wealth thought yeah. answer because I've decided I there was a time for that, and I don't want to do that to that extent anymore. Um, but I was just like, yo, I'm an Indian girl that's making moves. I don't have the privilege to stop and slow down and think about. It. I just want to keep taking yes. all these opportunities, mm. keep saying yes. Before someone changes their mind and doesn't want to give me all this stuff. You know what I mean?
2: At what point did you hit sort of a spiritual wall?
1: I think if I've hit hit many a spiritual (laughs) wall in my life, but I think, you know, 2015, when I went, did a trip to Unicorn Island, I, that show was a lot about self-love. And so that for me was one part of a spiritual journey where I was like, loving yourself is important. And I believe that. Did I practice that to the best of my ability in terms of like giving myself rest and all that stuff? Not really. Um, I think the biggest spiritual wall I've hit, a lot of people can probably relate, was over the pandemic quite recently. yeah. I feel like now I have clarity better than I've ever had before.
0: Someone said this to me recently around like, like I think growth and especially growth on YouTube is intoxicating because it's exponential uh-huh. and it when it happens, it happens in this way that's just like it's a snowball. Yes. Right. And you wait all this time and you're, you're tr- progressing and then all of a sudden it hits and you're mm-hmm. like, Oh my God, it's happening. It's a drug. And yeah. yes, yes. It's a drug. And also you also were there when it wasn't happening. So mm-hmm. exactly what you said of like, well, if I don't take advantage of this moment right now, I've also been around when this wasn't mm-hmm. a reality. This Absolutely. momentum wasn't a reality. Um, And I think that's a very um intoxicating time, but if you don't take a step back to be like, what is enough? Mm-hmm. What is it? What would be enough for me? Is exactly. It, like it, it saves you a lot of time in the in the later part mm-hmm. of that journey. If yes. you take one, and I'm I'm talking about like an hour of time with a notepad and being like, what would make me happy right now? Where do I, where can I stop for a second?
1: Exactly. Because
0: if it's just infinite, it's like whatever opportunity comes my way, I'm going to take it because all of this might be gone tomorrow.
1: Yeah. And don't get me wrong, I do feel in my unique journey, 2015 to 2018, where I didn't turn off and I kept saying yes and I kept doing it, was crucial to where yeah. I am today. I don't regret any part of it. Right. Was it a lot and was it tough? But it was also amazing. I did like amazing things. But spiritually, like I said, I didn't have a lot to fall onto. I never had an angle. I remember my vision board clearly said 1 million subscribers, it clearly said yeah. verified on Twitter. I'd look at it after hitting a million. I'd be like, "Okay, tomorrow I got to hit 2 million. Right. And every day I would do, that. and it it was like a drug. It was a high, and I think I experienced the low of that once I started to when I did the late night show. My own YouTube channel got really neglected, and mm. as with all things, no one's hot forever. You no, know, my views on YouTube right now aren't that hot, and YouTube's not my main priority. And that for me is when the drug really—I felt the withdrawal mm. in like the later years. When I was like, "Oh, I'm so used to." this many views and this many comments and this much engagement. And, and that really messed with my mind well after 2018, when I was doing the late night show. And after I was like, Oh, like now there's younger people on YouTube and now they're doing this stuff. And now I'm not relevant. People are telling me that's scary. That's when I felt like, Oh man, I'm in a bad place spiritually. If I have to really validate myself with all of these things that are not in my control. It's
2: interesting. And I feel like it is, it is all so relative because even if you look at your channel now, you'll post a video called Honest Q&A and it has 750,000 views <laughs> of people who are just there to hear you talk.
1: Yeah, you're right. It right? Is all relative. Which, is, which
2: is a crazy amount of people who yeah. aren't here actually for a sketch. Mm-hmm. It's just here for you to hear you talk, which and is so know, interesting.
1: That, that you bring that up. That was another thing I had to reconcile with, with if I work really hard on a sketch right now and spend money on it and days on it, it's gonna get one twentieth the amount of views as an honest Q&A. Right. And that for me, as someone who loves sketching comedy, I was like, oh, dude doesn't wanna see my sketches anymore. They mm. just wanna hear about the drama in my life. Yeah. <laughs> that was a tough pill for me to swallow too.
0: You're actually more in the uh, like scripted content world. Yes. Like sketch comedy and like actually writing out bits and, mm-hmm. and sketches. Yeah. What was the moment like... What was the first big break? Well,
1: let me break it down for you. I got teased a lot, okay, in terms of like my career. Nothing has come easy in my career. Um, People can have opinions about everything else I do. When it comes to me working for what I've earned, I feel like that's undebatable in my Mm -hmm. opinion. That's something the hill I will die on because I I moved here and I did, I remember the first movies I booked was Bad Moms. And I was like, oh my God, Mila Kunis, Bad Moms. I flew somewhere to shoot that. I remember where I flew. She flew there, had, I have one line in the movie, okay? Over the moon, I'm like, oh my God, I have one line in the movie. First person at the screening, first person there on the premiere. I was like, I'm in this movie. Did you guys know I'm in this mo-? That was for me, I was like, okay, that's what it's gonna be. And then the next one's gonna be bigger. The next movie I did was Ice Age, Collision Course. I have two words in that movie. First person at the premiere, first person screening. Did you know I'm in this movie? So for so long, I would do these small, small roles that were really labor intense. And Fahrenheit 451 is a movie that came out with Michael B. Jordan. I shot all nights in Toronto in the cold, sometimes literally 10 hours standing just behind the camera, not even on camera, to be someone's eyeline. And I remember thinking, it's okay. The dues you got to pay. I think I have like two sentences in that movie. What punishment would you like to see here tonight? So I did a lot of those things. And so because of that, I think I just I just kind of convinced myself, this is going to be your role. Like You're going to do these small things and it's going to be really hard to go beyond this, especially looking the way I look. Then, I won't lie, NBC hit me up. And they hit me up because I did a pilot with them that didn't go. And they discovered me through that pilot. So a failure of a pilot resulted in me getting this late night show. And they were some of the first people to say, "Hey, we want you to host this show." Your girl is getting her own NBC late night talk show calls a little late with Lily Singh. And as difficult as that entire experience was, because it was so labor intensive, I cannot discredit that they very much so validated me and gave me that necessary step to believe that I could be more than two sentences, that I could be more than the two words that I have always been. Welcome to the show. And since then. Now I am doing movies where I'm a bigger role. Now I am doing TV shows where I'm a bigger role. So everything happens for a reason. And I believe that was the purpose of that late night show.
2: Was late night something that you were targeting or interested in before that opportunity came
1: about? Or was it more on the the (laughs) acting side? My honest answer is hell no. No, not at all. Absolutely not. Because like I said, growing up, When I got the offer, a lot of my friends and my team were like, oh my God, yeah, I remember watching, growing up, watching, you know, Seth Meyers and Jimmy and I, I never had that experience. My parents, if I'm being honest, even right now, if they were to watch those shows, they would not relate at all to their perspective. No discredit to Jimmy and Seth, but they just wouldn't relate. They don't understand that point of view. And so I never grew up with late night. It was just not something we watched. And so when I realized that, oh, I could show a different point of view and be something different. I recognize the honor and and the opportunity of that. And so I took it, but it was not something where I was like, this is what I've been working towards. I'd say what I've been working towards is just paving a path for our community so that they can have an easier time, honestly, you know, Mm -hmm. and making little Lily proud. That's Mm -hmm. honestly what I'm trying to do.
0: Did you kind of understand it as like, this is an extension of what I'm already doing on YouTube. Was that part of the conversation or was it, this is going to be something different?
1: it didn't feel like it would be an extension of what i do on late on youtube because the first season of the show didn't have a lot of sketch it was very monologue interview and i'm going to be honest i do sketch on youtube and yeah, i continue to do sketch on youtube not because now it's now getting lots of views it just it challenges me mm. you know i find it harder to do than me vlogging and talking about my day and i like that challenge so when i got the call about the late night show And I want you to know also my answer was not a yes right away. I took a long time to think about it. Mm. They had to actually call me back to be like, so what's your answer? Because I was just like, do I want to do this? The thing that pushed me over the edge to do it was the opportunity to do something historic and try to just chip away at that path. I was trying to pave. And I found that to be important because if I said no, they might ask someone else who doesn't look like me. And then that would have been a lost opportunity. So when I did the late night show, the first season was truthfully a whirlwind for me. I walked into an industry, I knew nothing about de- script departments, I knew nothing about a speed. Like YouTubers are fast. Don't get me wrong. I could shoot videos really fast, but with the with the budget I was given, I had to shoot two to three episodes a day. And wow. that is a lot, a lot of stuff to prep for an interview, shoot these sketches, prep for this monologue, have the writers meeting. So it was just the only way to describe it was it really tested every part of my being emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally. Like I was put to the test of how much can you possibly do and take in one day. Um, and so I'm always I'm always very transparent about this. The first season of the show was me learning about what late night even is and how this even happens. It is not an example of something executed well, in my opinion. There's some exam- some episodes here and there. Where I'm like that was funny, that was cool, like that was. But for the majority of it, it's someone who's like learning how to do something new. And all the people around her are kind of figuring it out too, because they've never shot late night like this either. And so I did feel a little bit, and not only in this example, I think in many examples across my life, the headline is people will want you because of all the boxes you check in their world. You know, YouTube, late night, even now in my career, any streamer I work with, any project, I work with, they will want you because of what you bring to the table. She's South Asian, all the headlines said it. She's South Asian, she's this, she's that, she's got this going on. But then once you're there, it's those same things that they try to limit. Mm. And this is the greatest detriment of any person out there that's trying to hire someone to bring their unique qualities to the table. Your system mutes all those things, you know? Whether it's, hey, let's not over index on the South Asian stuff. Like, let's be a little lower. Let's not be like this or like that. It's like, because I'm like this or like that, that's why you wanted me in the first place, mm. right? That's why my YouTube was such a success. And so that is something I continue to to face at any, anywhere I go, which is you want me because of all of this. When I try to be all of this, you, you have reservations about being all of this, you know? Mm.
0: Is that, does that feel that it's um, more like the marketing of it is very good, right? Of like- Okay, yeah, this is very good that us as a network are you know uh more inclusive and and more representative, but then once we get into the programming, actually,
1: yeah, you know what it is it's not enough, and I want to make this clear this is about many different yes sure situations, not specifically landing. it's not enough to say we're inclusive or we're diverse and and I think that's what now that I'm thinking about it kind of irks me about this diversity movement is because it's not enough to be like, look, our late night host is looks like this because the system is not set up for that late night host. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? If you're bringing me to the table, to start this new show and saying it's a historic show and you're advertising as a first in history and all this stuff, I'm going to need the resources to make it something worthy of that title. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm going to need for when I talk about, Oh, I really want to do an episode that's about Diwali. I'm going to need you to know that that's not a country across the world and that it's a holiday. I'm going to need that. Yeah. Small hiccups in my day. I always tell the story, small hiccups in my day. I I did a sketch. I needed a Indian invitation. I'm like, I need Indian invitation. I get an invitation back. Single page has doves on it. has all the stuff. I'm like, I'm going to need six pages for six different (laughs) events that look like this. Sorry. We don't have the bandwidth to do this. I'm like, this is not an option. This is what I need for this sketch because this is what it is. you know, Another small take of like, I once on my late night show said, I don't think I've ever said this right. once in a late night show said, my favorite actress is Madhuri Dixit. That was the sentence. And I get an email. Can you translate this line for us? I'm oh, like,
0: that's a person's name. Translate
1: this <laughs> line. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. it's so hard to do a good job when you're dealing with things like that. And yeah. so I keep saying like, I'm so proud of the movements being made, but the system needs to be reworked. Like people need, diverse people need the resources. They need people who understand those stories and you need to be willing to bet and invest on those people. It's not enough to just put them in that spot and throw them with the sharks. Uh,
0: totally. I think that though you stepping into that world, um, as you mentioned, like you wanted to do something historic. I remember the announcement because my mom sent it to me.
1: Ooh.
0: And Hi, auntie. Thank yes. you so much. <laughs> she, um, she's very proud of... You know, Indian women doing things here in america, and and especially I think of your announcement, which I recall very specifically as a in a tweet, there's three yeah. boxes that you you put with green checks next mm-hmm. to them, and she sent that to me, and I was just like, this is a moment mm-hmm. um, for our community, both our creator community, but it was very cool because for me, it crossed over in both right mm-hmm. like this is, a, this is a moment for like the broader. Indian community, the broader South Asian community, I think also just many communities that that you, you fit into. Um, so I think even your ability to step into that world and experience and have the, the feedback, even that you're suggesting right now is a step forward. Right. Cause like before that, maybe it's like, we don't even know what that means. Right.
1: I appreciate you saying that. that. I I really do. And I have, I've had to meditate on it. I won't be, I won't lie. The first season was really tough. The second season was a little bit better for me, but I still felt like This is really hard. Late night show is really hard, guys. I won't lie. Um, And I do feel like I did it. And I really hope that someone else that looks like me can do it even better. How
0: do critics of traditional media Mm -hmm. differ from YouTube comments?
1: Mm, YouTube commenters, whether they like you or not, they're gonna Mm. equally come at you. What really I found with traditional critiquers is that sometimes the harshest critique they gave me was just to ignore my existence. Honestly, we had the the first time in history, female vice president of the United States when I got my late night second season of my late night show. I was like, there is a late night host that can talk about this perspective. Some of the biggest topics of the time were abortion, female bodies. I was like, yes, a lot of big outlets never even covered my take on it. It was every of the male hosts, their take on it. And for Mm. me, that was a harder pill to swallow than a hate comment. I was like, oh, you don't even... You don't even want to acknowledge that a different perspective exists, even though it's been so hard to get to this position to be able to share that perspective.
2: How does that affect how you make each episode of the show? Like, Is that a realization that you had, mm-hmm. obviously, in the middle of production while you're making the show? And does it, does it take you to a different direction or like put a different angle on, on what you're making?
1: I won't lie. A lot of the season, first season, the team around was, we got to, what's buzzy? What's buzzy? What will people pick up? Yeah. And that's a big part of late night. You have to think like that. But here's the thing about the first season of my show is we shot it in three months and it was banked episodes that would release over a year. So during a literal oh, pandemic, wow. I was the only person with a live <laughs> audience making jokes about parties and cuddling with people and uh. hugging people. And people are probably like, "What is it? not realizing that I shot those mm. l- so long ago. And so how can a late night show be set up for success if it's supposed to be a timely thing you talk about every night? And I'm talking about literally making out with people during a pandemic. You know what I mean? Mm. So it it was tough to even think about the show in any way because of the way it was set up. The second season, same thing. I was like, okay, it's a little bit more timely now, but I was like, let me just have fun. My biggest thing for the second season, and I told my entire crew this, was our main goal is to have fun because it's not worth doing this much work, having this many all-nighters, being this distressed to not at least say you had fun at the end of it. See, at the end of season one, I was miserable and I didn't have fun. At the end of season two, I could say I at least had some fun. And -hmm. that was my goal. First
0: person into something like that, like it's, you're, you have a massive hill to climb, but I think you have opened up the door for the next person. That is my hope.
1: And and I hope so. (laughs) And even
0: your perspective on it opens the door for conversations with networks around like, oh Mm -hmm. yeah, okay. We could do that better.
1: Yes. And I also want to make it clear, like there's a lot of great things that NBC and many other companies have done. They gave me a chance. They did support me, but I think it's just, they need to take a look at the existing system and understand that with the changes of bringing new people in, other things need to change. And I think they just have never been in that Mm -hmm. situation themselves. It's a first for me, it's a first for them Mm -hmm. as well, Mm -hmm. you know? So it's two people with their first being like, this is not gonna work, do you understand why? And they're like, but it has to work, do you understand why? And I'm like, (laughs) we, like me going on James Corden show. We're so happy
0: that you're here. Lily, this is actually the first time we've met in person.
1: Correct. Yeah. Very big deal. Because historically, late night shows have a lot of beef with each other. Right? And I was like, I would like to do things different. I would like to go on James' show. I am a fan of James. Went on that show. I think that was the first time ever anyone has ever done that. Been on a show that's supposed to be like a rival show. And, you know, and I was like, but he's open to it. And if he's open to it, I'm open to it. But like small things like that Interesting. are going to have to teach the people Mm -hmm. and the archaic system of how new things Mm -hmm. can be done.
2: I think it's uh, it's important to contextualize like where late night sits on the spectrum of gates being kept in entertainment. Mm -hmm. It's like on one side, you have TikTok and YouTube and Instagram. And then I think you have streamers. Yes. Right. Which there does seem to be more uh, opportunity for voices mm. and perspectives to be heard. Then you have networks. And then within networks, you yes. have this like... Later <laughs> is very ancient. They're very set television. in their ways, yeah. like, for sure. You went straight to yes. like, the most difficult yes. portion of that spectrum. For
1: sure. For sure. That's a great way to put it. I was <laughs> just thinking about it. I was like, wait,
2: that's actually... That's as difficult as it gets. But
1: yeah. the, the too long to read of it is it is really helped me as a person. It has helped me grow. It has helped my career, undeniably, whether or not, how many seasons, regardless, has helped my career. It's helped me learn what I want and hopefully it's helped. It's going to mm-hmm. help pave the path.
0: So we talked about how like creators are, are multifaceted. Like when you, if someone's just watching you on on late night, again, they might, or watching your YouTube channel, they're like, oh, she's very funny. She's a comedian. I get it. Mm-hmm. But also a year prior, you launch your own production company. <laughs> What was the impetus behind launching a production company and why was that the, the thing you did in, in 2018?
1: My company, Unicorn Island Productions, was and it is solely to tell stories about underrepresented voices. It's about the stories where when you take them to other companies, they go, this is too niche. Mm. Uh, this is who will relate to this. I've been given that answer a lot in my life. We love your story. Not sure anyone will relate to it. And I always say, do you know how many Indian people there are in the world? (laughs) A lot of Indian people, right? But always for some reason, it was always like, people won't be able to relate to it. They're like, there's always an extra meeting that had to be done because my parent characters had to be on a sign. Will people understand what she's wearing? Will they understand? Like, there's always another layer. And I just got so annoyed at that, that, honestly, where I want to help build a world where that layer didn't have to exist for people. And so that's what my production company is. It's like, oh, you have a story that's about an immigrant mother that maybe other people don't get it. We will get it. Mm. Oh, you have a story about like a coming out, but it's not a coming out of just like anyone else. It's going to be specifically of a South Asian person. Cause that experience is different. Yes. You know? And, and, and I know this because during my coming out, I watched all those movies. I remember like type a, I was like, I'm gonna watch all these movies. They're teaching me how to come out. I'm going to do it. Just like Simon. What does He love Simon, he did this. I'm going to do this. And I remember watching it and, His dad, he tells his dad and his dad's like, oh, okay. And then in the next act, his dad's like, I'm so proud of you. And I was like, oh my God, this is so, my experience was not at all like that. And I think people need those stories. They need to see themselves in the world to understand themselves. And so that's what I'm committed to.
0: I'm curious to talk about this, um, your experience of not only coming out in an Indian family, but coming out with a Indian audience, Mm -hmm. right? (laughs) <laughs> like and that is a global audience. Uh, yeah, awesome a global, like, like, like I'm talking about Indian people in India. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, you're not talking about like my family in Venice beach. Right. Yeah. Or like, like you're talking mm-hmm. about Indians all over the country and all mm-hmm. over the world um, who I think made up probably a good portion of, of the audience <laughs> that you are speaking to. So, you know, as you're, you're mentioning that of like, there wasn't, there probably wasn't many stories uh, about what you went through. Mm-hmm. Um, how, how did that experience play out for you? And how was that being a, you know, not only an an Indian, but also an Indian who had an audience online?
1: Yeah, it was till date, the hardest thing I've ever done. Mm. And I don't think anything in my life will ever be harder than that, to be Mm. honest, but who knows the universe has a way of surprising (laughs) us. We'll see. Um, you know, I came out I don't have the story where like I can say, oh, as a kid, I always knew, and I was holding this secret. I didn't. Sure. I didn't grow up, around, grow up around any queer people. I had no idea about anything related to this. I moved to LA and started to learn about people's sexuality then. Um, and so I came. I when I came out to myself and my dog, he's the first person I told. When I told him, it was like <laughs> September first or something, or no, like a couple of days before September first. And I was like, I'm turning 30, and in, in, in a month and a bit, I'm going to tell everyone that needs to be told in 30 days. give gave me so 30 days to come out to every important person in my life. Um, and I came out to my friends, I came out to my parents, which is by far the hardest, and they've never met a queer person either, so there's definitely a, a little yeah. bit of a, a learning situation there. And then I, in my heart, felt like, now that I've told my parents, I can be public about this. It took me six to seven months okay. to do that, because I was so scared. S- the fears now I can see were irrational, but the fears I had in my brain were, what if brands stop working with you? I know that's not true, Mm. but when you're in that vulnerable state, you will convince yourself of any scary, what if brands don't work with you? I have an upcoming India trip. What if they don't let you in? What if someone does something to you in India? Because they have very strong beliefs. All these things are real things. The only reason, honestly, I was pushed to to come online was because it was just seeping into every part of my life. Like I really remember this. I, I had to like walk out of an audition because I could not, I could not keep this in anymore. It was an audition to play, you know, have you watched, seen Jumanji? I want yeah, you to understand yeah. the magnitude yeah, of yeah, this. Yeah, sure, yeah. big sure. The woman who makes out with the rock. It oh. was to play that role. I need you to know the magnitude wow. of this. So obviously yeah. not for the making out purposes, but to play alongside Dwayne, my literal yeah. idol. I walked out of that audition close to tears because oh. I was just so emotionally and mentally distraught because I had this big secret, I want to to live freely. I also didn't allow myself to experiment because I was like, what if someone sees? What if someone else tweets about it? And I, like the public figure aspect of it was the most terrifying because I'm like, I can't even control this to myself. I can't even have this be part of me. I have no choice but to be public about it because I have no option of just being completely in privacy. That is not an option, you know? So when I came out, um, I was pleased to see that some of the most supportive people were Indians in India. And that was a huge yeah. sigh of relief for me. And when I went to India for that trip, I had a meet and greet with about 200 people. And I kid you not, when I say 60 of them probably came out to me in that meet and greet, which was like, a, wow, they've been really waiting for someone maybe that looks like them to, to encourage them to do that. What was the hard pill to swallow, though, was this really hard thing I did that I like, worked up the courage to do. I remember the most... I think it's the the tweet that upset me the most. And I'll be really honest and say, there are hate comments that do upset me. I won't lie. They are. I'll never forget it. It said, maybe I should come out as queer so I can get a late night show too. And I remember that stabbing me because I was like, how far we are apart from each other in terms of like life where you can think this difficult thing I did is beneficial to me in this way. Like it's such a twisted way of thinking about it, especially as someone who was like, literally suffered through insomnia during that time, literally felt physically ill for months doing this thing. It's like, this isn't, this is all. And I'm going to have to add the added context. It's like it hurt extra because it was, I know it was a white guy that said it. And I was like, I wish you could meet me in the middle and see the pain of like being someone like me. So you could Mm -hmm. see that it's like so hurtful. So it was definitely wild. And then of course the next morning I woke up after like freaking out, I woke up and I opened Twitter and the number one trend at the top, big picture of me, Lily comes out as bisexual and I was like, this is a lot, yeah, <laughs> you know, because then it's like your sexuality is the number one trend on Twitter and how as a human being, yeah. like nothing prepares you for that. Humans yeah, aren't yeah. meant to take that kind of, you know, stimulation to their brain. So yeah. it was a wild ride. I am now in a, such a good place and better, but it was a hell of a journey to get to get to this place. Wow.
0: Yeah, I mean, even if you just take that and say take the public figure part out, right? And that's that's a a challenging self discovery mm-hmm. and and moment to to work through in in a family or for anyone. Um, so yeah, I, I commend you for for going through that because Thanks, I, I think that the line that you just said that gave me chills was about you in India and that sixty people came up to you and uh, came out because I think like that there's so many people in the world who don't have a voice. And as you're talking about, you know, what your production company and the mission of your production company, I think it's like obvious where that comes from. Um, and actually and, this
1: sums it up pretty well, Sorry and interrupt you by something you said just yeah. made me think of it. I remember when I was sitting with my parents, um, I not only had to come out to them, but I had to explain to them that I would also come up publicly. Mm. There are two different things to yes. Indian parents, Yes, because what happens in secrecy is different than what happens in publicly. Sure. Right. Um, They almost had a bigger issue with the latter. Yes. As most Indian people would. Like you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I remember saying this sentence to them and I don't think they could have I don't think they totally understood it when I said it. I said, I have two options here. I can move with fear and be private about it. I've told you guys I can carry on my life. Or I can move with love and share this in hopes that I can help people. And I feel like that's the biggest distinction between maybe our generation and our parents is that mm-hmm. our parents are from a place of protection and safety. Cause they had no choice. They immigrated, they had to protect themselves. They cared what the community said cause the community was all they had. We are of the generation where we're like, we can share and help people. We have that mm-hmm. privilege to be able to do that. So that is the stance I will always take in everything I do. If I can share and help, there's a greater benefit than being scared of than, than moving with fear. You know? And I've, I've always thought that.
0: Well, I'm really, I, I think it's, it's amazing that, um, you're open and you're, you're able to tell this story now and, and look back on it. I'm sure as you reflect on it now, you, it, it's much different than obviously. Oh yeah. When you it, can make yeah. jokes about it, you yeah. kind mm-hmm. of feel so you, now I
1: can be like, Oh, it's fine. Right. But that was a rough patch for yeah. sure. Back then I was fully expecting to tweet that. I had it all mapped. I'm going to tweet this, go out for dinner that night, gonna sure. go on a walk, have a drink. My life is going to be better. I literally thought it would be day and night. My life would change. And then that never happened. Like, it, things got more difficult. I became more self-conscious. Um, I had to learn how to flirt with girls. I got dating apps the first mm-hmm. time. Oh, that's scary. Scary stuff.
0: DMs were open, though, that day. <laughs>
1: <laughs> DMs were o- open. Was my heart and right. open No, Because I was scared. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, that's yeah. another thing. It's so annoying. I was like, trust me, I had every intention. I want you to know this. I had every intention of tweeting that coming out and then being like, I'm going to be the biggest hoe ever. I'm going to hoe it up. <laughs> I want just one. I'm going to hoe it up. I was too scared. I was too scared. I was too too in my head. I was learning how to live out this new part of myself. I'm pretty sure the first time I messaged a girl, I called her sis and I'm like, this is wrong. (laughs) You know, I'm just like learning this whole new part of myself. And then also learning about like the first time I went to a family party while being out. Like I had so much anxiety prior to that. Right. I understand that. Yeah. This is the one silver lining of the pandemic was that, that didn't happen for a while, right? But that was tough. Like something so new about yourself, and starting the late night show at the same time was a little rough. Because then in every interview would ask me about this, and I was like, I don't know yet. I'm. This yeah. still hurts me. You ask me this question, it hurts hurting me, you know, because I'm still so new. But I had to do all those interviews for all of all of those stuff. So now I'm in a better place to talk about it, but. It was, yeah, it was tough. It, I imagine yeah.
0: it's a very strange thing because it, it, when you're a public figure, it, be, it, like, it becomes part of your brand. Yes. But you don't, n- you're discovering it at and the same time. At the same yeah. time,
1: <laughs> what a lot of people don't realize is that I didn't choose it to make it part of my brand. Yeah. Right? I didn't write the headlines, the repetitive headlines. First bisexual woman of color. get it like, The number one thing people say if they want to hate on me is we get it. You're a bisexual woman of color. Mm. I didn't write those headlines. Right. And another thing, I challenge people, to, and this is the hardest part about being a minority, is when people use your identity against you. It's hard for us to accept. It's hard for me to accept. So, you know, when when I talk about my sexuality in a monologue, I'm trying to be myself, and people catch on to that. You're talking about being bisexual again. We get it. Jimmy or Seth talks about their wife. No one's catching on to that. Being like, are you talking about being straight again? Mm. Like, well, we get it. You're straight. And so there's there's a different standard that is set for any minority group, which makes things really, really challenging. We get it. You're Brown. Oh, I'm just talking about my parents. Just like everybody else will make jokes about their parents, but you're just flagging it because I'm different, you know? And so that's a tough thing to deal with too.
0: Yeah. I I think it's like the, um, media is like just a, like it's a representation of like relatability community. Mm -hmm. And I I remember both with your show and also with Husson's show, one of, Hassan's episodes I was watching and he just breaks into Hindi and there's yes. no subtitles. Mm-hmm. And I felt so excited by that. There was no subtitles. So I was That's like, amazing. oh, that moment's just for me. Mm-hmm. And that felt like this crazy feeling of both seeing, you know, you on, on, on an NBC program talking about things that I got mm-hmm. and then Hassan on Netflix speaking in
1: That's amazing. Hindi
0: and, and even his Netflix special mm-hmm. where I was like, I remember feeling this wave of just like, whoa, this is wild. Mm -hmm. Like I can't believe this moment is playing out in front of my eyes right now that the themes that when I was in high school were at home. And then when I went to high school, you don't tell those stories. Who's going to relate to you in high school when you start talking about what's happened at the Indian party last night. It's so fascinating you're
1: saying that because that is the magic of what we're doing. Yes, Going back to what I said when I was a kid watching those shows, I never watched them I was like, Oh, I don't relate. My parents aren't like this. I was yep. like, this is someone's story mm-hmm. and I'm taking it in. And I think there is a large group of people who are seeing different people on screen now yeah, yeah. and they're having a hard time reconciling. They're like that's not about me. Yeah. And it's like, things have been about you forever and now we're right. making more perspectives. Well, because right? when it's
0: not about you, you're like, well, maybe I should become that then. Right. Yes. So, if that's not about me, then I'm the odd one out. So, I need to actually become whatever that is.
1: But that's okay. I think what I would love to tell people is like, not everything has to be about you, but there should be things for you. As Mm -hmm. long as everyone has stuff for them, not everything has to be for them.
2: To do everything that you're doing, Mm -hmm. uh, there must be obviously a bigger team around you, and even Unicorn Island Productions that in itself is bringing on team. Mm -hmm. How would you consider hiring to be a skill set of yours? Because I feel like a lot of creators, it's just like me, myself, and I. Mm but to do what you're doing takes so many people. So how did you go about hiring? And like, who do you, how do you know to trust someone to bring them into your world?
1: One of the hardest lessons I've learned is that there is strength in delegation. Because for eight years, when I did YouTube, I shot it myself, I edited it myself, I wrote it myself, I did everything myself. And then I was attached to that idea, that control. And even when I moved to LA, I was like, I don't need an editor. And I would stay up all night editing. And then you know what I realized? That there is an editor out there that can learn my voice that is better than me. And so to be, this is going to sound confident, but to be the smartest person, you have to be the dumbest person in the room. If I'm with my team, I am a smart boss. If my editor is better than me, mm-hmm. if my assistant knows my logistics and my calendar better than me, if my agents can negotiate better than me, that makes me a smart boss. And I took a while to learn that because before I had to be like, no, I'm the smartest and like all these people. No, surround yourself with great people and your career will, fl- will flourish because you need people. You need people to progress. You can't do everything yourself. And if you do do everything yourself, you don't allow yourself time for opportunity. Totally. Yeah, I agree with that.
0: I think, I I totally (laughs) agree. I think as a creator, you, you, at one point, you start hitting your head on the ceiling of time where (laughs) every hour of your day is booked. Mm -hmm. And then you you don't have that moment of like, how do I receive something new?
1: (laughs) How do exactly. I see what's next? Have
0: if, if I hit my head on the ceiling, of right time? now,
1: if I was editing and yep. doing all the stuff myself, I wouldn't be able to do Canada's Got Talent. Right, I'd be like, I can't. Yep. I have to edit these videos to meet this upload schedule. So, right. what is the smarter thing here? Getting an editor who's phenomenal and way better for sure. me, or to open yourself up? Because your job as a creator is to create. It is to come up with the ideas that no one else can come up with. It is not to sit there in Premiere Pro or Final Cut and do all that. It's mm-hmm. not to do that. It is to do what you are doing best. And that is coming up with the ideas to create.
0: As you look forward, like uh, Lily after Late Night, now, uh-huh. as you uh, you have come back onto YouTube in a more focused way, you have projects launching, you are going to be on Canada's Got Talent. Yeah. Woo woo woo. With Howie Mandel. Yeah. How about that? We see um, him around here all the time. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. 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 Nice. We never say hi, but no. next yeah. time we'll be like... We used to go to the same coffee shop. you be like, you're doing with
1: Lily, and he'll be like, who? Who? Yeah. <laughs> who are you? <laughs> yeah. You never saw me. <laughs>
0: uh, and you're writing a new book. What does the world look like today of Lily Singh? Like, what? Who?
1: <laughs> well, today I did a lovely thing, and I yeah. met you two for yeah. the second time. Yeah, yeah, yeah yes, yes. <laughs> yes. Although this time you're not dancing, yeah. so I'm disappointed. Right. Um well, it could happen. The world of Lily Singh looks like this. I think for the first time in my life, I have some work-life balance, something that creators don't believe can exist. And I'm going to challenge that. I think, yes, for a while you got to hustle, but I do think work-life balance is important. Um, my world looks like this. I still have meetings every day. I do a lot of Unicorn Island production meetings. I read a lot of scripts. I write a lot still. Cool. I'm on camera a lot still. Um, my life is a lot of everything still. Um, however, now when I'm given an opportunity, I don't feel the need to jump at every single thing because I feel like I'm going to miss out on this career. I feel confident in my career now. I'm in a place where I can say, is this going to fulfill me? Does this feel fun? Uh, So that's, that's what my life is now. And it's a privileged place to be that I I feel like that's the greatest accomplishment I've Mm -hmm. ever done is being able to get to this place because I won't lie before I said yes to things because I was like, I could be out of this industry in a year. I could be hot and gone. Now I feel like, no, I have something to offer and I will stay.
0: Post platform.
1: Yes, exactly. As I'm not, I'm not it. just YouTube analytics. Yes, yeah, yeah They're great. important, but I'm not just YouTube analytics. Yes, yeah.
0: we, are. Just, <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes we are. We are just numbers on we're a screen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> My last question for you actually is for the, all, for all the aspiring creators who are watching um, people who maybe have had like a Like today I feel like there's a lot more of this like flash in the pan, Uh all of a sudden you have a million Uh subscribers or followers, or you're just like made a TikTok and that's the thing and now you're known for that and you're Uh doing that thing. Like what what is your advice in this career that sometimes does have that exponential growth or that immediate growth? How have you found yourself to build a sustainable career going through all this this roller coaster that is the journey of being a creator?
1: Yeah, I think that's that's the thing I take pride in—the fact that I have been able to have a career that's lasted long, and now I feel confident that my career will continue to to grow in this industry. And I can't even imagine, especially someone younger, if you're on TikTok right now or YouTube and you're having a hot moment, it's really hard to have that foresight. It's really tough. You probably have a lot. Look right at you. Probably have a lot of money and a lot of followers, and you should enjoy that and bask in and do all that. But if you have a desire to have a career out of this and have longevity you have to really find something that is your passion and work towards that. Because, give me an example, my parent videos are very hot. I'm not going to want to do those forever, Mm -hmm. you know? I'm not going to want to dress up like my mom and dad forever. I do it now, here and there, whatever, but there's going to come time where I'm like, I don't want to do that. If I decide not to do that, is my career going to be over? You don't want to be in that position. Where you're like, if I don't do this thing that doesn't fulfill me anymore, my career will be over. You have to be in a position where, and that's why it breaks my heart, and I'm going to sound like a mom here, but like when I see people online doing mean or dangerous things. I say, I know this is getting you views, but this will shoot your career mm. in the mm. foot because you have to think about the long game. So if you have a desire for this to be a career, if you don't live your life, buy that mansion, do your thing, yeah. do it. If you have another plan, go for it. But if you have a desire to be in this industry, I do think finding your passion and something you really want to work towards is really important. Cause my passion was never my parent characters. It was never, it was, telling stories and like making a mark in this industry for my community. And so I can work on that through various means and continue to work through that in different ways in this industry. But if your passion right now is like, I'm going to do sensational vlogs. How long can you do that? How long can you do that? You have to just, just think about that. I know that sounds like a mom thing, but I wish someone would have told me that when I was younger.
0: Yeah. No, I yeah. mean I, even for us like why we have this show is mm-hmm. cuz I, I and the 10 years of YouTube what we realized the thing that was most sustainable the thing that we could see ourselves doing into our 40s and 50s mm. sitting down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sitting down. Yes. That's good timing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So but, that's it. Yeah, that's but it. like yeah. sitting down yeah. with other creators and and having these conversations. Like, absolutely, this is the thing we want to do. And so once we settled ourselves into that, mm-hmm. then things started happening for us because it was like, this is we. If we get good at this, we want to have more opportunities to do this. Mm-hmm. So you, it's like, yes. get good at the thing you want to do for the long. Exactly. Term. Let's uh, make that our base. Yeah.
1: Another thing I'll say that's a little mothery, and then I'll shut and I'll shut up is you. I want everyone to know that our brains are not built have this much feedback at all times. Right. Like the younger generation of creators, even, even our generation, to be honest, our brains are probably like, what is happening yeah. to like the, all these comments? And we all have an addiction to our phones. We do. Oh, okay. I deleted social media off my phone. I kept trying to go to it. I kept trying <laughs> oh, yeah, to go to on my yeah, yeah, phone. I'm like yeah. my hand is doing it. I'm not yeah. even controlling it. And so one thing I want to say to creators is like, I know to run a business, you have to know how many views, not sure, but like don't get spiritually caught up in that stuff. You cannot let strangers on the internet who have never met you tell you who you are. Mm -hmm. It's, you can't, that's not the life you want to live. It's just never going to end up in a win. Never. You have to just take that for what it is. There are comments from people that have never met me that are in their own story. They are not going to impact my story. That's just how it has to be.
0: That's a beautiful way to end.
1: You guys are very good at asking questions.
2: Thank you. I hope Thanks.
1: you have a late night show.
2: I hope so. That's too, on one a day. Pl- yeah. place that
1: have lo- has lots of money.
2: I think that could happen. And you'll be the host, and I'll be on the couch, you know? And I'll <laughs> you'll just be, Guillermo. be like, Yeah, yeah. I'll be like, No, yeah.
1: I see it happening. You guys are very yeah. good at asking questions. Appreciate that.